At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. College football betting podcast, and for maybe the only time, we'll we'll go three wide on Monday evening slash Tuesday mornings in your feed. It'll be myself, Tim Murray, and Adam Burke, and then Mr. Humans, Matt Humans, will join us on Thursdays to break down the entire slate. But gentlemen, week zero is here. We have some looks at some future plays as well. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump right into it. Just looking at big picture. 2022, and you look at the futures market right now and pulling up DraftKings and pretty much similar everywhere else. Alabama plus 175, Ohio State 3 to 1, Georgia 4 to 1, and then drop off to Clemson, even further drop off to a team like AM. When you look at the futures market, guys, is there anything outside of those top three that would intrigue you? Not really, uh, to be honest, because college football is not like college basketball. And Tim, you and I have talked about this before. In, in college hoops, you can find live long shots and triple-digit odds. We've done it in recent years. And uh, with teams like Dayton, Texas Tech, you get down the list of teams you can get at 100 to 1, 200 to 1. That does, just does not happen in college football. Uh, I like Utah as a team from the outside that could sneak into the playoff. But you're looking at, what, 50 to 1 odds is mm-hmm. the best you can find on Utah to win the whole thing. And that's if the Utes get to the playoff. They probably have to beat Ohio State and Alabama. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, 5 to 1 to even make the playoff. I don't think there's much or any value with even playing that. So maybe Adam Burke's got a long shot that um, that he can dig up for you. But Utah is the best I can find, and I don't really see value in the numbers. Yeah, I mean, look, I I have Georgia a seven and a half point favorite better than Michigan in my power ratings, and that's the closest gap I have between any of the top three teams. So I agree with Matt. I really don't see anybody outside of Alabama, Ohio State, or Georgia winning the title. 
I do feel like maybe Oklahoma is a team that could crash that playoff party because I do think pretty highly of, of Brent Venables and what he's going to have there with offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. But again, like Matt said, you're kind of just betting on a team to make the playoff. You're not betting on any other team besides those top three to win it all. And if you look back to last year, you look at Cincinnati, and if you had that ticket, I think it was as high as 14 to 1 to make the playoff. That's a great cash. But what happens? People say, well, you can hedge off. Well, they were, what, a 14-point underdog to Alabama? Mm -hmm. You could hedge off with Michigan. They were a double-digit underdog <laughs> to Georgia, so there really aren't really hedging opportunities when you assume, and I truly believe that those two, the two top two teams in Ohio State and, uh, and Alabama are so far and beyond everybody else, even Georgia. I, I think there is a pretty sizable gap between one and two this year and then down to three to a team like Georgia. So, you know, jumping into to conference futures, and I don't know if you guys have, have fired on any uh, when it comes to some, uh, some, some conference titles, but I think this is where you can get a little more creative. And we'll start in the ACC, guys, because there's been a ton of buzz this preseason about NC State, Devin Leary coming back. You know, I've heard this kind of crazy narrative, well, their bowl game got canceled, so they're all fired up to head into this year. I, I don't know if I buy into that, but when you look at the ACC, Matt, is there a team that that intrigues you? Personally, I don't have any play because I do think Clemson is the best team, and they get to host NC State. They get to host Miami. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could be intrigued in Miami because they're on the other side in, in the Coastal Division, but to me, I, I don't really – I'm not that – excited about NC State at plus 750 because they have to go to Clemson and beat the Tigers in order to get to the ACC title game. Right, and the Wolfpack beat the Tigers last season. I think In overtime. Yeah, 11-point dogs in that game, and that Clemson offense was anemic early in the season. Clemson actually opened last season 0-7 against the spread, if you can uh, believe that. I think it's got to be NC State or Miami. That's it, the two teams you mentioned. Devin Leary had, what, 35 TD passes, five interceptions last year. I was in San Diego for the Holiday Bowl, had bet NC State in that game against UCLA, was very confident I was going to be winning that bet that night. And you it, were just as mad as the, as the Wolfpack players. <clears throat> I was, actually. Because Matt doesn't get – well, huh? I mean, that's true, though. You never get pissed off by, uh, by any of your losses. I, I would – you know, neither do I. I was going to say, you're always very calm, cool. <laughs> very calm. Like never get too upset. No high, never too high or too low. Uh, I, I think NC State, Miami have to be the only two options. Yeah, again, I agree with what Matt said. And, and I think that Miami, you, know, you can find them. They're plus 550 out there at DraftKings. I think that's a team that has a really good shot to win that other division. Sure. You know, certainly for Clemson, I mean, they are the favorite. And I think a lot of it really for Clemson, the projection of their season comes down to whether or not they go with Cade Klubnik at some point throughout the course of this season. Because they can win the ACC without going with him. But I think that he would definitely upgrade the ceiling of that team based on what we've seen from DJ Uyunglele, you know, last year specifically. But I think Miami, you know, I started thinking about this a lot. Um, you know, Michigan obviously really overperformed last year. And I think a lot of it had to do with their coordinators, with offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis and then Mike McDonald, who winds up now going back to Baltimore to be the defensive coordinator. But I really like the idea of Josh Gaddis along with Tyler Van Dyke. I think this is a Miami offense that could be really, really good, much more efficient. I think Miami is a team that I'm, I'm as I'm leading up to the season, I'm starting to think much, much more highly of them. Well, does it worry you at all if you backed Oregon over the years? I mean, Mario Cristobal pulls some rabbits out of his hat in losing just inexplicable yeah. games, you know, losing to Stanford last year. So I, I understand the hype, and it's kind of like USC to me heading into this year. I think Lincoln Riley's a home run hire. 
I think Mario Cristobal is a home run hire, but it's year one. Is Miami ready to make that jump? Now, the caveat to that, to your point, Adam, I mean, they are in the coastal division. Who who frightens you there? No one really. Uh, and they could lose that game to Clemson in November and still make the ACC championship. So I, I, I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. I just have questions with, with Miami and USC more so just because it feels like there's so much hype around these two hires when it is year one. Right, absolutely. And, and look, to be fair, I mean, I think that when you kind of look at that coastal division, it sort of comes down to your thoughts on Pitt. How good do you think Pitt is going to be where they get Keaton Slovis from USC, but now they change offensive coordinators. They go with Frank Signetti, who was at Boston College, and now Pitt's going to run the football. And they were a very inefficient rushing attack last year with offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, and they had Kenny Pickett. They didn't need to be efficient in the running game. But Narduzzi wants to play this physical brand of football, and – Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I think it lowers Pitt's ceiling to play that style of game, which opens the door for Miami, even if they're not perfect, even if they do trip up, to still be the team that comes out of that division and likely plays Clemson or potentially North Carolina State. Well, I think the the conference this year that is, is the most wide open and, and maybe an opportunity to bet a long shot, no divisions in the Big 12. Uh, you look at Oklahoma as the betting favorite, a plus 190 at DraftKings. Texas at plus 290. They've got a lot of hype. What is Quinn Ewers? Is he going to be as good as his five-star ranking was coming out of the college ranks? Oklahoma State won this conference last year. Jimmy Knowles is gone. A lot of those pieces on defense is go are gone. Uh, actually, Baylor won the conference. Excuse me. Uh, Oklahoma State just a, a couple inches shy. TCU. Kansas State, another team that's certainly gotten some hype. So this this conference seems wide open. So, Matt, do you think there's anything out there right now worth a flyer to to come out of the Big 12 in that futures market? Uh, that's a good question. I, th I actually think that uh, Baylor's got a great shot. I don't like Texas. I You know, I've started to uh, sour on Texas a little bit more because I've talked to an insider who's been at practices recently, and he says, uh, don't believe the media hype. This team looks like crap. <laughs> And he, he says there's problem, problems on the offensive line, that Quinn Ewers hasn't looked that good in practice, and that the, the media reports are kind of covering up a lot of the warts that uh, the people who are out practice are seeing every day. And I know I, I think Adam Burke and I are going to be on opposite sides of the Oklahoma bet. I thought the luck, luck factor was on the Sooners' side last year. Oklahoma won six games, was decided, decided by seven points or fewer. And uh, that's most of any team in college football in a long time. And that was with Lincoln Riley calling the shots and Caleb Williams, at quarterback. I don't know how good Brent Venables is going to be as a head coach. If you know anything about his background, he's a very volatile personality. Uh, there was a reason he didn't want to be a head coach for a long time. He kind of got forced into this Oklahoma job because Bob Stoops and uh, everybody wanted an Oklahoma guy to take over the program. So Venables, you know, he can't turn down the money. He comes back to Norman, takes the job. I do think this offense is going to be explosive. It always is at Oklahoma. And you got Marvin Menz at receiver, Dylan Gabriel uh, from UCF at quarterback to transfer. Offense isn't going to be a problem. Venables will eventually get the defense into shape. But the Big 12, there's so many coin flip type of games. And you asked me, uh, you know, if there's a future you can bet. I, I did not bet any future in the Big 12 because I think it's a little bit of a toss-up. And I just... Uh, I'm not sold on any one team where I can find some odds value here and say, yeah, that's the bet I want to make. Oklahoma has road games against TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Not the toughest in the world, uh, but I think a 10-win season is way too much to ask. That's why I played under 9.5 on the win total. It wouldn't surprise me if the Sooners lose at Nebraska mm -hmm. you know, or if they 
fall at home to Kansas State, Baylor, or Oklahoma. If they lose to Texas on a neutral, I think it's going to be an 8-4, and 9-3 and three type of team. Uh, kind of a large jam at the top of the Big 12. And um, no, I did not make a bet on any specific team to win the conference. Did you, Adam? No, I haven't. But, you know, I, I think this is such an interesting conference because a lot of the teams in the middle are going through a significant amount of transition, right? You've got a new head coach at TCU. You've got a new head coach at Texas Tech. You've got the defensive coordinator situation at Oklahoma State. And you've got an Iowa State team that lost a ton of returning production from last year. So this conference is kind of volatile in terms of the middle and the bottom of it, where I know a lot of people like Kansas State. I'm not so sold. I'm not an Adrian Martinez guy. So I think the Wildcats probably The mayor of Lincoln, you're not a big fan of? Uh, not, no. I mean, he was there for like a decade and a half. No, and, was, and I think to that wasn't point. Wasn't Bo Pelini his head coach at one point? Probably. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Isn't Adrian Martinez like 40 now? But look, I think. To that point, not to go off into a different conference, but you look at what's happening with the Nebraska line this week, and it's just running out, you know, for week zero here. So I think that maybe that's kind of an indicator of just expecting the Cornhuskers to be better without Adrian Martinez with some of the changes that they've made. So I think it's kind of interesting to kind of look the middle of the conference more than the top of it, because I do agree with Matt. I'm not Texas is not back yet, as far no. as I'm concerned. Defensively, they still have a lot to work out. And if the offense is going to be inefficient, as Matt mentioned, then that really puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So I think Oklahoma, almost kind of by default, looks like the team that should take care of business here, where I think Venables does elevate that defense. And I do like the fact that Levy, the offensive coordinator, and Dylan Gabriel have worked together and have played in that up-tempo offense before. Yeah, I put a little on over nine. I wouldn't have played nine and a half over. So I think, you know, if it was nine and a half when I played at Matt, I probably would have joined you on the under. But I looked at this team more as the ceiling to be 10 as opposed to the floor being eight. But I think the biggest question for me with that win total, to me it comes down to the Nebraska game. If they lose at Nebraska, this win total for me is in trouble and the win total for Matt is in great shape. Uh, sitting there. So, uh, you know, just bouncing around Big Ten, uh, obviously heavy favorite Ohio State. You look at the Pac-12, or excuse me, the SEC heavy favorite Alabama. Those two conferences, and we'll get into our favorite win totals. We'll also obviously take a look at week zero here uh, as, uh, as, as we go on through the podcast. But Big Ten, SEC, anything jump out of you? Because, I mean, I think, I don't know if I speak for both of you. I'm so high on both Alabama and Ohio State. I wouldn't play anything. Maybe if you look at a division, if you want to look at the SEC East with, you know, whether it be Kentucky or Tennessee, could they dethrone Georgia, who's a massive favorite there? Or you look at the Big Ten West with all of the question marks, Wisconsin, Iowa, some people like Purdue. I know, Matt, you do not. Uh, but anything in either one of those conferences that, that excites you? Well, as far as the Big Ten West, it wouldn't surprise me if any one of five teams won that thing, and Purdue included. But – I don't think there's much separation. Usually in the past, you could say, just pencil in Wisconsin as the favorite. I can't do that this year with Graham Mertz at quarterback. I know the Buckeye, or excuse me, the Badgers are going to run the ball. Their offensive line and running attack is going to control everything. It's not going to be on the quarterback. Graham Mertz had 10 TD passes, 11 interceptions last year. Uh, for a former five-star recruit, he's been incredibly disappointing. Wisconsin lost a lot of talent off that defense, too, so – and don't forget, Iowa won the Big Ten West last year. Mm -hmm. There was a three-way tie for second with Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Purdue. Now Nebraska steps up into the mix. I don't even think the teams at the bottom of that division are that bad in Illinois and Northwestern. I think they're going to be better. I'll just uh, summarize this by saying I bet Utah to win the Pac-12 at plus 250. I think Utah's the best team there, not USC, which is overhyped. And we don't know if that USC defense is going to be any good. Plus – 
Utes get the Trojans in Salt Lake City, and that's a big scheduling advantage to have that game at home. Uh, in the Mountain West, I actually like Fresno State a lot. I think it's Fresno State or Air Force, mm -hmm. not Boise. So when you talk about the Big Ten or the SEC, no, I can't find a team that's going to knock off Alabama. I can't find a team that's going to knock off Ohio State. I'm looking at other conferences. I know Adam Burke loves to handicap smaller conferences too. I think you find more value in conferences like the Mountain West or, you know, maybe even the Pac-12 Anything, Adam, than you do in the Big Ten or SEC. Yeah, Matt's right, because it's just it's a higher variance environment in the group of five conferences where, you know, obviously you've got Ohio State, Alabama, that are so much better than everybody else in their respective conferences. Clemson, the last several years, has been as well. So you have to look towards the group of five ranks. And I think a team like Air Force at 4-1 to one to win the Mountain West is a pretty decent mm -hmm. bet. I mean, I have Air Force projected for almost double-digit wins. So over 8.5 is one of my favorite season win total bets. I know we're going to elaborate on those a little bit further during, later on down the show, but... You know, I think Air Force at four to one, and, and like Matt, I think they play Fresno State. So if you wanted to take a piece of Fresno State, you're free rolling in that title game. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I think down in the Sun Belt, you know, the Sun Belt is a fascinating conference for this season because the East is really, really stacked. You've got App State, you've got Coastal Carolina, Georgia State. You bring in Old Dominion now as well. You bring in Marshall, but there's some value to pick a team coming out of the West where I think Louisiana could drop off a little bit without Billy Napier, without their program all-time leading passer and Levi Lewis. It feels to me like a team like South Alabama could sneak in there. So you could find them at 18 to one, 20 to one to win the Sun yeah. Belt. Do I think they do it? No, but if you get them live in the title game, then you run into a scenario where maybe you can take a live money line on whoever comes out of the East and guarantee yourself some profit, something like that. Yeah, I, I took a flyer on Nebraska to win the, the Big Ten West. Uh, look at the schedule. Home game against Wisconsin on November 19th. Uh, that Black Friday game against Iowa. They led by, what, three touchdowns last year? But uh, until they win a close game, I, I don't know what we're going to get. I mean, I think Mark Whipple, their new OC, kind of said as much. We have to win. We have to know what it's like to win a close game. So uh, that was more of a, a smaller play. But let's jump into those win totals. And I know a lot of these, Matt, you've been firing away for a while. Uh, you know, we gave out our best plays in our college football betting guide. Uh, but a couple that maybe haven't moved all that much, you can get into. We can get into our favorite plays that may have moved significantly and, and teams that we're pulling for just as we can kind of keep track of them uh, over um, – you know, over the football season, I, I've got a handful, uh, Matt, I know you do too. So who, what are some of the biggest ones that uh, are your favorite ones that you have uh, fired on? Yeah, I put out 10 win total plays here on VEASAN and, and I, I bet a couple more since then, but I'll, I'll give you uh, a few I really like. Uh, I like Kansas State over six and a half a lot. And I know Adam Burke, his point about Adrian Martinez is correct, but sometimes a quarterback like that who is talented uh, you can get the best out of him if he, with a change of scenery and a new coach. Chris Kleiman's a great coach at K-State. Nobody ever talks about him, but he is a, he's a great coach. He's got Deuce Vaughn behind him, uh, one of the best running backs in the country. They got a lot of talent coming back on that offensive line. Actually, they're going to be strong on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, I think K-State, by the way, I'll, I'll lay this out for you. When you look at K-State's schedule, the win total six and a half. At this point, it's been bet up a little bit to where you got to lay about buck fifty to bet over. Kansas State opens against South Dakota, Missouri, Tulane, and should be 3-0 uh, and right off the bat. Texas Tech is the fifth game. Uh, I expect this team to get off to a hot start. Uh, in the Big 12, there, like I said, there are a lot of coin flip games, so I like K-State to get to seven or eight wins. And don't forget, two years ago, Tim, it was misguided hype and money, but there was a lot of hype, 
and money on Adrian Martinez in the Heisman Trophy market. Do you remember that? Two yeah. summers ago? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was, like you said, it was uh, misguided. But still, that's how talented the kid is. There were a lot of people buying into it. Can Chris Kleiman bring that back? Is there Was there something about the Colin offensive? Colin Klein as new OC? Yeah. Is there something about the Nebraska coaching staff that maybe was uh, holding him back, too? You know, I, I think that's fair to ask. And uh, that's why I think the Adrian Martinez thing could be a positive for K-State. Also, I, I played LSU over six and a half. Brian Kelly's got a couple of quarterbacks he can win with. You and I have talked about this before, Tim. His <laughs> last three, what, four years at Notre Dame, uh, he was the betting favorite 41 times, and he won 40 times. The he last time he lost as a betting favorite was the regular season finale against Stanford in 2017. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't the point lose being, as a favorite. Yeah, he doesn't lose games he's supposed to win. Yeah. He's got two quarterbacks he can win with here. LSU brought a lot of talent in in the transfer portal, and I think six and a half is a low number for this program. If A lot of people don't like Brian Kelly. They think he's a prick, and so be it. <laughs> he's a good but coach, though. He's a very good coach, and he's a really good quarterback coach. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU wins eight games. I think over six and a half is a bargain. And a lot of times, and here's what's different about college football when you handicap it this year. Don't don't worry so much about returning starters. The team's only got five back on offense or four back on defense. With the transfer portal, everything changes. This is free agency in college football. Brian Kelly's bringing in guys who are ready to play now. I think uh, the turnaround at LSU is going to be quick. Uh, also, let's go Ole Miss over seven and a half, and I like this one a lot. Uh Lane Kiffin's another one of those guys that people don't want to bet on because they don't like him. He's kind of like the Patrick Reed of college football. Uh, but, That's a good comparison. <laughs> but he, he, you know, and well, maybe it's not a great comparison because Kiffin actually is really good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> this is the golf college football crossover podcast just, section of uh, this is very unlikable sometimes. But Kiffin, yeah, he lost. And here's the thing again. Only five starters back on offense, but don't worry about that because the transfer portal, the teams that did the best were probably USC number one and Mississippi number two. And he's bringing in a ton of talent. That defense got a lot better last season. Matt Corral's gone, but Jackson Dart, the new quarterback, I think in the next couple of years is going to be better than Matt Corral. Uh, he was a top player in the state of Utah two years ago. If Lincoln Riley had not gone to USC, Jackson Dart would be the future, mm -hmm. uh, future QB at USC. Uh, Kiffin can bring out the best in him. The schedule, how about this? Ole Miss starts against Troy, Central Arkansas, at Georgia Tech, Tulsa at home, Kentucky at home, at Vandy. The win total, and then Auburn at home, the win total is 7.5. There's a decent chance that Ole Miss is going to be 7-0 and uh, by the middle of October. Well, and I'll jump in how there. How can you not like that and one? And I'll total? jump in there I'm, with Ole Miss and give you one of my uh, favorite win total unders, Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Tech under three and a half. Uh, it was at even money. It was You could have got some plus money at once upon a time. But you mentioned they have to play Ole Miss. Georgia Tech also has to play Central Florida mm -hmm. on the road as a two-touchdown underdog. They close the season against Georgia. So there's three losses right there for Georgia Tech. They bring in a new offensive coordinator in Chip Long who – you know, had some success in Notre Dame, but people wanted him out at Tulane. Uh, the schedule's rough. You know, they get a Western Carolina team that they should win that game. They play Duke. They play Virginia. But I'm having a hard time finding four wins for that program. Oh, by the way, their best player. Talking about teams gaining from the transfer portal, Matt. Well, how about your best player leaving? And that would be Jameer Gibbs who oh, goes yeah. 
to Alabama. I mean, they were crushed. I'll get to another team that was crushed uh, in the transfer portal in a little bit on a win total I like. But, uh, you know, looking at Georgia Tech, Adam, I don't know what you projected them at, uh, but it's hard to see four wins for the rambling wreck. Just when you go down the slate, you know, I, I heard a, a couple of people say, oh, Georgia Tech, good. they could win four or five games. And then when you just go through the schedule, hard to find it. Are they going to win on the road at Virginia Tech? I don't know. That's a pretty tall task to ask there. So, you know, Georgia Tech, one of my favorite underplays. You know what? Quickly, uh, two of the most popular underplays, and I like them too. Colorado, yep. under three and a half. You're going to see two and a half out there now in that number at most places. That's been pounded in Georgia Tech under. Yeah. yeah, Colorado's one I, that I also played. I have them projected for 1.72 wins in my using my power ratings and then converting that to spreads, looking at implied win probability. Uh, it's going to be a very long year for the Buffaloes. Uh, Georgia Tech, 2.71 wins for me in my projections. So definitely well under that market number. Uh, as far as some of the ones that I like, I mentioned already, Air Force over 8.5. I love this Air yeah. Force team. I love Troy Calhoun. They're 26-8 and eight straight up in their last 34 games. And that includes that weird COVID-altered season and all of that. They've had two double-digit winning seasons otherwise. I expect them to get very close to that this year. And I do think that Boise State's probably due for a little bit of a drop-off now with some of the coaching turnover that they've had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just think that the rest of the Mountain West is going to kind of catch up to them a little bit. Another over that I like, speaking of kind of that mountain area, Utah over nine. I have Utah projected for double-digit wins. I think they're clearly the best team in the Pac-12. I have them a bigger favorite than what the market does in that game against USC that Matt alluded to earlier. So Air Force over, Utah over. Another over I like, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm kind of a small conference type of guy. South Alabama. I really, really like South Alabama. You talk about the transfer portal. They've got great depth and experience at quarterback. Kane Womack is a second-year head coach who has been a very, very successful defensive coordinator at a couple of different stops. And Major Applewhite is an accomplished offensive coordinator. So I kind of expected South Alabama to be better last year, but Jake Bentley wasn't as good as I thought. I know they lose Jalen Tolbert, which is a big loss for them, but I still think that's a team that could surprise there in the Sun Belt West. And as far as a few unders, uh, staying in the Sun Belt, Georgia Southern, under four and a half. Not Georgia a Clay Helton guy? No. I'm not a Clay Helton guy when they go from running the triple option to now all of a sudden throwing the ball around the yard. It's worked out for Helton. Georgia Tech really well. Exactly. So that's one where... Georgia Southern's also stuck in the Sun Belt East, which is just a brutal division to play in. Uh, I also like Navy under four and a half. I think Navy is just oh. – look, the thing about Navy is now that they're in a conference and teams see them regularly every single year, they've been so much more prepared for the option that Kenny Amatololo and his coaching staff, they just don't really know what to do right. to try and make adjustments. So Navy under four and a half. Then the last under, uh, you talk about teams that play a tough schedule that aren't very good, Rice. So Rice doesn't get to play FIU in Conference USA play, which is definitely a punishment for them. They're non-conference games. They play at USC, at Houston. They host Louisiana, who, again, I think will be down, but they're still a better team than the Owls are. Under 3.5, minus 130, I think is still a bargain on them. I have them about two wins. Yeah, I'll give you a couple, uh, and, and certainly, you know, juice has moved a little bit. Uh, you can still get Colorado uh, under minus $2. And, and, Matt, you can kind of – I know you spoke to this when you bet uh, over, what, Ohio State? Uh, was it minus 220 or so? I bet Alabama over minus 225. I didn't bet the Ohio State over, but I don't disagree with it. I don't see Ohio State losing two games. I don't see Bama losing two games. I, I would I rarely say this, but lay the 225, 250, yeah. whatever. 
I, I don't see Colorado winning four games. And that's the thing too. I, I would lay the dollar to you know two dollars. I know Matt. I think you wrote it up much earlier. You could have got cheaper juice, but you know you look at that. They play eleven Power Five games. Their lone non-Power Five game is against Air Force on mm. the road, where what they're a two-touchdown underdog. <laughs> they lost their two starting right. cornerbacks uh, that will be starting in the Pac-12. Uh, Blackman to USC. Gonzalez is a player. He's at Oregon now. They're leading rushers at Michigan State. Two of their top receivers have transferred out. Uh, their safety is going to be at TCU. And last year, if you look at their four wins last year, one was an FCS game against Northern Colorado. The other three were all at home. One came in overtime against Oregon State. Another came against Washington, where they were outgained by 250 yards. Mm -hmm. All three of those games are on the road this year. I just don't see how Carl Durrell's team, you know, finds another win, uh, finds four wins. And, and they hired Mike Stanford Jr. I don't know how Mike Stanford Jr. keeps getting jobs. He got fired from Minnesota. He was a disaster as a head coach at Western Kentucky. I know once upon a time he was a hot commodity, leaving Boise State, going to Notre Dame. But uh, under for Colorado, joining the uh, joining the group there. Uh, a couple other uh, – I talked about it on the show, and uh, Matt gave me some, uh, some grief about it. UCF, uh, we talked it out on the show. Sean was leaning towards it. You look at the schedule for UCF. You get Louisville with the rest advantage, a Friday night game at home. Uh, you do not play Houston. You get Cincinnati at home. Um, you know, you only have five road games. You play Georgia Tech, uh, who's, you know, they'll be a two-touchdown favorite over that. Uh, John Reese Plumley was named the starter. And then, uh, and then the final one that I liked was, uh, was Maryland over five and a half. Some sixes out there. It all kind of comes down to the SMU game for me, guys. If they beat SMU at home, where they're a slight favorite, I think Mike Loxley's team is talented enough offensively to be, be able to beat the likes of Indiana, Northwestern, and then getting one of these, Purdue, Michigan State, both at home, or Rutgers at home. Mm -hmm. So I do like the Terps to get back to bowl uh, eligibility. Um, all right, that, uh, that'll do it for the win totals. You know, Each week, obviously, we will – Take a look in depth at the uh, at the games uh, that are on the slate this week. Of course, a very minimal slate. Seven games between two uh, between FBS teams. A couple other FCS games. Uh, you can find those uh, lines. I think in some exotic locations. Uh, but looking at the seven FBS matchups, Matt. Um, you know these numbers have all been you know, picked and, and, and dissected for, for weeks. They've been up for a while. You've seen tons of line movement, right? You've seen New Mexico State go from what? A two-touchdown underdog, now down to a nine-point underdog. You've seen Vanderbilt go as a two-point favorite to an eight-point favorite. Nebraska from ten-and-a-half to almost two touchdowns. Uh, so right now, Matt, that's what makes it tricky about week zero. You know, how do you normally go about betting these first couple of weeks of the season when these lines have been up for so long? Well, if I like an underdog, I will probably – let's say you like New Mexico State early. Uh, I thought that number was too high. I wish it would have pulled the trigger early. I, I didn't think that line would move as fast as it did. There was, it was 16-and-a-half. I didn't bet that until it was 12. I got New Mexico State plus 12. Now it's down to 9. I can't make that bet at 9. I, I hesitated to make the bet at 12 because I'd lost 4-and-a-half points – off the opener, but the opener didn't last long. You know what's weird about this week zero? You can make a case for Northwestern. Uh, you can make a case for UTEP. Uh, you can make a case for Vanderbilt, UConn, New Mexico State. I think when you look at that as a card, you have to question what you're doing with your life. <laughs> right? Is that the way you want to start the season? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, thank goodness, you know, for the fine folks of Dublin, Ireland, they get an opportunity right. to see a pair of three-win Big Ten teams going head-to-head. That? And that's the high-profile uh, game. That's the, that's the yeah. big game. That's the, yeah. that's the game on Fox. But, you know, hey. Uh, and, by the way, Nebraska won that game, what, by 49 last year? Uh, their only win in conference that's play. Right. Um, but, no, let's start with that game because it is the big game, quote-unquote. It's, it's up to 13-and-a-half. It may touch 14. I am staying as far away from that game as possible. It's Maybe already it, hit 14 today at Caesars. I took 14 with uh, the Purple Cats. I mean, I feel I like it. you have to. Uh, there's the hype on uh, the Cornhuskers over the top, I think, a little bit. Scott Frost, 15-29 and 29 in his four years. Yeah, he brought in 44 new players, including 24, uh, 22 transfers. Casey Thompson, a quarterback, is uh, the headliner, 24 TD passes and 10 starts for Texas last season. But still, these are all new guys. This is a, a new offense. Mark Whipple, the OC, came over from Pitt. It's uh, basically a bunch of new players and a new system, and you're traveling to Ireland and laying two touchdowns. I think that's a lot to ask against a good coach. And Pat Fitzgerald, is, he's going to have a team that's better than last season. Uh, the Wildcats won three games. They failed to score more than 14 points in any of the final six. They were blown out by Illinois at the end of the year. That's how bad it was. But Ryan Holinsky, the former South Carolina transfers back quarterback, Evan Hole was a 1,000-yard rusher. Here's the thing. Fitzgerald's going to put a decent defense out there on the field. You know that. I don't think Nebraska's going to go up and down the field on the Purple Cats. The previous four meetings between these teams were decided by one score. So last year's blowout, I think, was an anomaly that's – that had a lot to do with how bad the Purple Cats were at the time. A lot of times Pat Fitz has surprises up his sleeve when expectations are really low. I just think this number's gotten out of control. I said this week, I put Northwestern out as a pick at plus 13, but I said I will not bet this until it hits 14. I know it's going to hit 14 because all the Nebraska hype, and mm-hmm. it did hit 14 today, so I took it. All right, so you wait wait till 14. It, it popped at Caesars on Thursday. Uh, and, and it might, you know, certainly come Saturday mm-hmm. might, might be, uh, around 14 again. Uh, Adam, when you look at, at this slate, um, you know, whether it be a total, uh, you know, some of those totals have moved a ton. So yeah, it is, you know, New Mexico state, Nevada, I think has moved five points to the under, uh, um, sharp, very sharp money on the under and then the New Mexico state game, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, it, you know, you're looking at some spots have gotten down to eight and a half and it just feels like it's going to keep moving Nevada, by the way, just a, a quick aside, I think Bill Con- Conley point, pointed this out since he's been tracking production with S and P plus it is the lowest production he's ever tracked. Only 22% yeah. returning for Nevada. Uh, you know, Jay Norvell leaves for Colorado State, basically brings the entire team with them. Any other semblance of, of talent on that roster has gone elsewhere. So I think Nevada is certainly a, a team to look to fade, but I think it, it feels like it's a lot here week one uh, against, you know, a, a New Mexico team, state team, Adam. I don't know where you have them power rated, but, you know, most people you look at 130, 131. I mean, they are one of, if not the worst FBS team in college football. Yeah, New Mexico State is 130th for me in my power rating, so the second-worst team in college football. The, the total move is really in, the interesting thing to me about that game because Nevada, as you mentioned, Jay Norvell goes to Colorado State, so the air raid is no longer going to be run there in Reno. Mm-hmm. They want to play kind of more of a physical style of football. They want to run the ball more. That's exactly what this move on the total is indicating to us. And you know, to your point, not only do they not have a lot of returning production, they're completely changing schemes, so things are going to be inefficient to begin with. But now they go with an altogether different offense, and I understand why New Mexico State's taking money. I understand why the under's taking money in that game as well. Uh, one that I think is kind of intriguing here is, is actually UConn and Utah State. And 
I'm not laying the 26 and a half, 27 pregame. My line's actually 24 on this game for what it's worth. But if this is close in the first half, you've got to think UConn will wear down in the second half. This is not a team accustomed to going to playing an elevation. You know, they lost their defensive coordinator. He took a leave of absence like a week ago. So that kind of tells you about the state of the program right now. If this is a close game at halftime, I will take Utah State second half because I just expect Utah State to kind of get things going. They're a well-coached team with Blake Anderson, and I would anticipate that UConn just kind of falls off a little bit. So that's sort of my approach, where these lines have been up for a long period of time. And as you mentioned, a lot of the equity has been kind of dragged out of these, or we've seen it kind of taken out here early in the week. So you can look to live bet things. You can look for second-half opportunities, stuff like that. You think about you know some of these teams that may be going and playing in hot weather in week one. You expect them to kind of slow down in the second half, stuff like that. So I think you know looking at Utah State for a second-half play, the only thing I took full game this week was I laid the 10 with Illinois mm-hmm. earlier in the week against Wyoming. My number is 13.5 there. And the reality is it's hard to win by margin when you've got a low total game of 44 like we do here. Usually you want to be on the side plus the points with a low total. But in this spot, these two teams kind of have a similar mentality and a similar mindset. The difference is Illinois is just going to be bigger. They're just going to be probably a stronger team. And I also like Tommy DeVito there. I think Tommy DeVito is a pretty good fit for the Illini, who I actually have you know, power rated a little bit higher than the market. So I laid the 10 in that game, and now it's out to 11, 11 and a half. And, Matt, you talked about transfers. Uh, Wyoming, another team, uh, they got they got raided. Uh, their best player went to Texas. Unfortunately, Isaiah Nayer, you know, tore his ACL down there in Texas, yeah. so he won't be able to contribute. But another team, uh, Bill Conley pointed this out, 35% of their production returning. So, you know, when you look at that, Matt, has that number gotten too far away with Illinois? Uh, last year we did see them. They were prepared week one, right? They beat Nebraska as a, as a seven-point dog, uh, won that game by, by a touchdown. Is Illinois laying 11 too rich for your blood right now? No, uh, and this is the second year in a row I bet on Illinois and against Nebraska in the first week. <laughs> did it last year. Uh, so it worked out well for us. It did. It did work out well. And then UTSA week, uh, what was that, week one? You just jumped back on the other side and went with the Roadrunners. How clumsy did the Cornhuskers look in that game last year in Champaign? Actually, I laid the 10 here, too. I talked about this early in the week with uh, Mitch Moss and Paul Howard in the morning. Here's Brett Bielema. He he understands how to win in the Big Ten. He's built a big, imposing offensive line. He's got his top three running backs returning. Chase Brown's one of those guys, if you remember – Brown rushed for 223 yards in that Illinois upset of Penn State last year. I think the difference here is going to be the Illinois offensive line is going to overpower and wear down a smaller Wyoming front uh, in the second half, and that Wyoming defense is not going to be able to uh, withstand uh, really what I think is a big class difference between the Mountain West and the Big Ten. Craig Bowl, I have a lot of respect for him as coach of the Cowboys, but this might be the worst team he's had in nine years. I think Illinois should win this game by two or three touchdowns. All right, last one. Uh, it will be a, a glorious sight as we uh, as we degenerate college football fans get to enjoy a game in Hawaii. Love it. Uh, 10 look, 30, always look forward 10 to that. 10.30 yeah. East. I'm wearing the shirt today. There's always a game in Hawaii. Uh, 10.30 <laughs> CBS Sports Network. Sit down, get your popcorn ready to watch the future best football team in college football, Vanderbilt. That's straight from their coach's mouth at SEC Media Days. Go up against uh, the pride of Hawaii, Timmy Chang. Has this number gotten out of control, guys? I, at, at some point, 
there has to be buyback. And and I was actually talking to Chris Andrews a little bit before jumping on here, and he said, I kind of like Hawaii. And I know a lot of people out there, their power rated, I'm curious what yours is, Adam, around three and a half. There was some early action very early on Vanderbilt when it opened two, two and a half. But now we're sitting north of a touchdown. It's Vanderbilt, folks. And I know Timmy Chang and company, they lost Cordero. He's at, uh, at San Jose State now. They lost a lot of pieces there. So it, it, it's kind of a we don't know what to expect from Hawaii. Um, but, my God, Vanderbilt laying eight on the road? Are, are we really well, like are said, we there? You don't know what to expect from Hawaii. But a lot of times, you know, in week one when you're betting these, you're a little bit in the dark. Right. And you're hoping uh, you're trying to make an educated uh, guess. So I know why Chris Andrews kind of likes Hawaii. He went out to lunch yesterday with Nick Bogdanovich and Richie Bachelary. <laughs> and one of those guys made this game pick him. The other made Hawaii minus two. And now it's Vandy minus eight, eight and a half. It's eight and a half at DraftKings. Yeah. And I think Chris has got a similar number around pick him. I made the number Vandy minus three. Uh, I think Hawaii is a complete mystery team. We don't know what we're going to get from – uh, Timmy Chang here early in the season. All reports were it was going to be a run-and-shoot offense. Now I've talked to the Hawaii play-by-play guy, and he says, nah, it's not exactly going to be a run-and-shoot. It's an offense that's kind of hard to describe. Uh, Cameron Cooper, a transfer from Washington State, was supposed to be the quarterback. Apparently now he's not the starting quarterback. It's Braden Schrager who uh, played a little bit last year uh, for the Warriors. So I think even a weak SEC team should be able to outclass Hawaii. But I'm going to go with the home dog here. Just based on the number, uh, I'll, I'll try to grab eight and a half. If it comes back again, if not, I'll just take the eight. But here, Hawaii last year is a home dog. By the way, they're playing on that small field. With Don't fans. Forget. Yeah, and it's going to be, I think, maybe 12,000 fans. So it's kind of an intimate setting. And uh, last year, and that's on that same field, Hawaii upset Fresno State and Colorado State and covered against San Jose and San Diego State. Hawaii's been a good home underdog. And I think the atmosphere is going to be great because people on the islands are fired up to Timmy Chang's back to yep. be the head coach. He might not have the talent. It might get blown off the field, but that's a gamble you take. And I think when you're a handicapper too, you have to say, hey, look, smart guys are making this number around pick him, and it's eight and a half. I have to take the eight and a half. Yeah, my number was initially two on this one. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, well, maybe I'm off on Hawaii. Maybe my power rating on Hawaii is off. So I bumped it a couple of points, and I thought, okay, well, Vanderbilt minus four – It's a little bit of a stretch based on my original numbers, but that seems like it's probably okay. And then it just blew right through a touchdown and went all the way up to eight and a half. So like Matt, it would be Hawaii or nothing for me. I just, there's no way to trust Vanderbilt who look last year, they played at Colorado state. It was their furthest game out West since 2003 when they played in Fort Worth against TCU. Now they're going all the way to Honolulu in week zero, where they're going to play what effectively amounts to about a nine 30 start time for them in terms of central time. So I just, there's no way I could lay I, – I, I can't have an expectation for Vanderbilt most weeks, let alone in a situation such as this. Yeah, it's uh, what, year two for Clark Lee is the head coach down there. He lost his defensive coordinator to Michigan. Um, their two wins last year, that Colorado State game you mentioned, they won by three. Colorado State was an absolute disaster with the Dazio, and then they eked out a win as a two-touchdown favorite against UConn at home. They also lost to an FCS team by 20 to start the season last sure. year. So I, I don't know how you can lay eight with Vanderbilt on the road. I, I, I totally agree with you, Matt. It is a bit of a mystery, but I, I took the eight and a half uh, at Circa mm-hmm. earlier this week. Uh, it's just out of principle. It's like, and, I, and I think that's the question. Is eight and a half the peak for Hawaii in this game? Is this line done be. going up? I, think I would it is think so. Because there was a, a service, you probably know who it is, 
there was a service that gave out Vandy minus six and a half as a play on Wednesday, and that's why this number shot up. A lot of betters jumping on that, you know, following the steam, and that's uh, that's why that number went up. Uh, Clark Lee said, quote, we know in time Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the <laughs> country. Right. What the hell is he talking about, Tim? <laughs> that's your guy from Notre Dame. That's my guy. Huh? Very good defensive coordinator. Maybe a bit delusional as now a head coach there at Vanderbilt. All right, so uh, I'll put in Hawaii plus eight and a half. Uh, Matt, you're going to take the points with uh, the Purple Cats at 14 or higher. Uh, and, Adam, anything uh, you're looking at week uh, week zero, more in-games? Yeah, I think the in-game angle with Utah State, if it comes to fruition, is something to look at. And, and I think Illinois at 11 is still okay. I mean, I, I took it at 10. It's nice to have kind of the protection of a sure. potential push, especially with, again, a low total game. But, you know, for me, a lot of it is just kind of fact-finding. You know, I mean, I, I spent most of my summer doing a lot of baseball prep, or doing a lot of baseball work, I should say. So I got to the college football prep a little bit late. Some of the win totals had moved and things of that sort. So... You know, a lot of this is just kind of gathering information, being a sponge, soaking it up, seeing where these lines are moving, seeing what, you know, as Matt mentioned, what some of the influential groups are doing, what they're releasing, what they're putting out, kind of filing some of those things away so that you can either get into the market at the right time or so that you can know, you know, what the important groups are thinking about these teams. Well, we will be with you each and every week, three times a week. We're going to have a special on Sunday uh, when the lines are released. That'll be in your feed, the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. Every Monday night, Tuesday morning in your feed, myself and Adam Burke will be breaking down early line moves, some you know uh, mid-major games, group of five games, and then myself and Matt every Thursday afternoon will be breaking it down. So we'll be with you all throughout the college football season. And uh, once again, to quote Matt Newman's, uh, when you look at this card – and you're deciding whether or not to uh, bet on these games. Sometimes you have to determine what are you doing with your life. But we're degenerate college we're, football. Fans. It looks like a hound's breakfast. Tim. <laughs> yeah. Brian Blessing, well, much better, much better. Week one, a good appetizer. Week zero, uh, a good appetizer for this program. Once again, the Veasan College Football Betting Podcast. Tell a friend. Tell ten, please. Uh, Matt Humans. <laughs> Adam Burke, I'm Tim Murray. We'll be back with you next week getting ready for a much better slate that uh, is not a dog's breakfast uh, next week leading into Labor Day. This has been the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast.